sexuality can be a sensitive topic and we're getting mixed messages every day from everywhere else around us. What does God have to say about our sexuality? Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. Every single one of us wrestles with sexuality, sexual identity, sexual purity in some way. And if we're not clear about what God's plan is for our sexuality, then we can get really confused really quickly. Today, we're continuing our series, Asking for a Friend. And here's Pastor Aaron. Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? I am so excited because for the past few weeks, I've just been preaching to a camera, and I cannot tell you how good it feels to have people in front of us. And so I'm so glad for those of you that were able to join us. I know many of you have still been watching online. You're watching online this morning. and Just want to welcome you and say thank you for being here. If it's your first time and you're just joining us or you came across our Facebook feed, Welcome. We are excited that you're with us. And my name is Pastor Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're glad that you're here. We've been walking through this series together called Asking for a Friend. And we've been tackling some tough topics and some tough questions that um, we're asking. Maybe sometimes we're too afraid to ask, and so we're asking for a friend. But we want to know about, we want to explore what Scripture says and what the Bible says. And We've had tremendous feedback as I feel like God's been challenging us and encouraging us in different ways as we've approached the scripture. And so we're going to look at another difficult topic this morning, another difficult question, and go to God's word. And I just want to remind us of something that we've said every single week as we've walked through this series together. And it's this right here. It's God's word is the foundation for our lives, not our opinions or feelings. God's word is the foundation for our lives, not our opinions or feelings. And so we've said this every single week as we've walked through this, that it's not what I feel. It's not even what I've experienced or what I know someone else's experienced. It's not what someone read on Facebook or an article that I saw, but we want to take God's word and allow that to be the foundation for our life and really look into scripture of what God is saying. So the question that we're going to talk about today is this right here. Does God have a plan for our sexuality or is it up to us to decide? Does God have a plan for our sexuality or is it up to us to decide? I started last week this way. I'm going to start this week um, this way again. And so just a few disclaimers before we get into the heart of this message. And it is this. The first is this. Um, For any parents in the room or watching online, we are going to be talking about God's design for our sexuality, we'll be using the word sex. And, um, and so we're going to talk about that. Nothing is going to be in too much detail or um, too kind of graphic this morning, but I don't know different people's comfort levels. So um, if you're at home or even if you're in the room, if your kid needs to put on some headphones and go to Right Now Media and watch some of the kids' Bible lessons, you can do that um, just depending on your comfort level. So just want to give that disclaimer. Once again, nothing's going to be in detail this morning, but we are going to talk about God's plan for that. The second is this, is for those of you watching online, sometimes we can catch maybe two minutes of something and we think we've got the whole idea, but I strongly want to encourage you to listen to the entire context of the message. Don't just grab kind of a short snippet or a snapshot, but really listen to what we're talking about, what scripture says, and let's wrestle through this question together. And the third thing, and one of the most important is this, 
is this message is going to impact all of us. I would say probably the majority of everyone that's ever walked on this earth has struggled in some way of deviating for God's plan for our sexuality. And the heart of this message is not to make anyone feel less. And I want you to hear this this morning. It's not to belittle anyone. It's not to make anyone feel like they're outside of the ability to experience God's love. And my deepest prayer for you this morning as we talk about God's plan is that you would understand that God didn't just leave it out there for you to decide, that he is very intentional with this and he does have a plan and he has a purpose in our life and he has a calling um, that he set up for us. And so we wanna look at this idea, does God have a plan for our sexuality? And as I started to think about this, kind of where I started was, I think it's very clear that the culture around us has a plan. And sometimes it seems like there's an agenda there because you don't have to go very far to get kind of this idea of um, sex thrown into your face. And I don't know what it has to do with fast food or buying cars or any other commercial, but it seems like every commercial out there, right? Like you're just watching the television and all of a sudden this idea of sex or sexuality is thrown in front of your face. It's used to market, right? It's used to sell things. It's just kind of constantly bombarding us from billboards as we drive down the road to magazine articles, all of these things. And you have to be so careful going online because you don't even have to be looking for stuff. And all of a sudden it's thrown in your face. It seems like the world has a very specific plan and when it comes to our sexuality. And we're facing right now in our culture really an epidemic as it comes to sex and even addictions with sexuality when the current statistics tell us that one-third, one-third of everything that's downloaded from the internet is pornographic in nature. And that's a problem. When 40 million Americans admit, these are those that are willing to admit that they routinely struggle or have an addiction with looking at porn. And if you're in the 18 to 24 year old bracket, 70% say that they routinely are engaging with pornographic material. This is not a guy's only struggle. There are many women that are facing this struggle and facing this addiction as well. This is a problem. And even those outside of the realm of faith or Christianity are saying, hey, we need to do something. There's something going on here where sex is causing and it has a control and an addiction inside of our life. But it's not just in what we view online or what we view on television. It plays into so many different parts of our life now with, they're saying, and I know this is a little bit of a broad number, but two to 9% of marriages are considered open marriages. That even those that have committed themselves in a covenant and a committed relationship are now engaging in extra physical, intimate activities with other people. When you're talking about new terms that are coming up, like polyamorphous, um, which some say is around 3%, and those are where both partners have an intimate, um, emotional, or physical connection with another person, slightly different than a um, kind of open marriage. But now all of these new terms are coming up for sexual activity that are outside of God's design. And when you look at a UCLA study that shows 4.5% of the United States population identify with the LGBTQ um, population in that part of our culture. And a lot is going on as it deals with our sexuality and what God says about our sex. And once again, you're watching television and it's not even on kind of isolated channels anymore, but main networks and movies and all of these things that are showing sexual activity outside of God's design. And um, 
a sexual lifestyle that isn't in keeping with God's word and what scripture says. And so we have to wrestle through this. And the truth is, as I said, it feels like the world has kind of an agenda that they're putting on us with more kids' movies and kids' TV shows showing all of this and talking about this. And many times we shy away from this in the church. And it seems like everyone else is talking about it except us, but we should be the ones that do have a voice in this because we believe that God does have a plan for this and God does have a design for this. And so we're gonna start with this idea right here. What is the purpose of sex? And does all sex fulfill God's purpose? And so if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn this morning to Genesis chapter two, excuse me, and we're gonna start reading at verse 24. So Genesis 2, 24. Now we don't have the blue Bibles in the seat in front of you um, because of safety kind of measures. And so we don't want multiple people handling those. But if you have a smartphone, take that out. If you're watching online, open up another tab. Genesis chapter two, verse 24. And as we get to this part of the Bible, this is at the very beginning. So this is right at the start. And in Genesis 1, there's this amazing kind of poem in the original language of God creating, of God speaking everything into existence. We talked about this last week of God forming both men and women in the image of God that we reflect and we bear the image of God. And in Genesis chapter 2, God creates man and then he also creates woman. And we're told this story, it's a slightly different perspective of the end of Genesis chapter one, where God is giving instructions to man first and then also to men and women together. And as you read this, you get a different picture from Hollywood and TV shows and, and movies. It's not the girl that needs rescuing. God says, nope, guys, you're the one that needs to help her, right? All the ladies said amen, right? So, so we see this different picture. Sarah um, talked about it when we spoke together a few weeks ago, that we're actually co-partners in this. It's not one over the other, but we're serving together and God has united us. And that's what the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter two, verse 24. God talks about marriage and he talks about sex in this verse when he says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. This is kind of a different verse when you read this and you start thinking about what the Bible is saying here. So God is talking to Adam and Eve even before they had kids, even before there were mothers and fathers. He says, God says, this is what marriage is going to look like. This is what I'm giving you. This is what I'm talking to you about. And so you're going to be committed to one another. And listen to this. The two shall become one. God designed sex to bring intimacy in our lives with another person. Physical intimacy is a part of sex. The two shall become one. Now, it's not just a physical act, but there's actually an emotional connection there's actually something that happens, I believe, on a deep kind of spirit and soul level that we're connected with another person because that's how God designed it. And he says this, once you're married, once you're in that covenant with one another, you're holding fast to each other. That means you are not jumping from bed to bed or sleeping with other people, but you are committed to one another. Now you are united together. And so God's design for sex was that there would be this intimacy, that there's a union that happens when people have sex together. And that was part of God's gift. That was part of God's design. Look at that next verse. The man and the woman, they stood there, they were naked and were not ashamed. And so there was this openness 
that happened within that marriage relationship. There was not this kind of division, not this hiding, not this covering, but there was actually an openness as God created sex to happen. And as he designed this, when all of this first started, because it was meant to be intimate and that's very intimate. I don't know if you're married or if you've ever stood kind of openly naked in front of someone else, but that's kind of a jarring experience. But God said, Hey, that's the kind of connection I want you to have within the marriage relationship. Now, our staff, a couple, I think it was like a year and a half ago, we read this book from this Christian author, okay? It was not about sex, but he did talk about the marriage relationship in this book. And he said, my wife and I have a practice, I think it was a few times a week, where we just stand naked in front of each other. And I read that and I thought, that is weird, you guys. <laughs> like, what? And, he, and he's talking, he's like, we just had this conversation about how our day was, how our week is going, what our dreams are. And I'm like, you're being serious right now? Like, but what it did is it kind of, after you get past that kind of first awkward, weird part of that is he said, that's how it originally was. Like there was this openness and because of the physical connection that had happened now, now there was no shame. There was nothing, no need to hide from one another, no need to cover up because God had created this connection of two people being separate, but now they're coming together as one. And so there was this deep intimacy. And he said, hey, when we do this, it, it's not like kind of leading up to something else. It's to say, hey, I'm open in front of you. Like, this is how we're connected to one another. Like, we've been united because of the gift that God has given us of physical intimacy. And so this was part of God's design. This was part of God's plan is that, that sex, that act of sex, that it would create physical intimacy between two people. And you would be able to be open and to see one another for who you really are and not have to cover up or not have to hide from one another. That's what sex does is it brings that kind of intimacy inside of our life. Another reason that God gave us sex, it's for procreation. It's to fill the earth. God delights in his creation being able to create. And so if you still have your Bibles open in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, just flip back a page or go back one chapter there, Genesis 1, 28, when God is speaking to man and woman why he's created them, he says this, God bless them. And so he blesses them and he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And this is this amazing idea where God delights in his creation being able to create. Now, there's a lot of different ways he could have done this, but he chooses for some reason that it's this act of intimacy, of sex that brings us together, that we get to join in God's creation of creating more life. And it's how God designed us. It's what God um, did as he brought this. Now, I want you to hear me, and I want to be very clear about this. Um, I realize this is difficult for some because there may be those of you that are listening or even those of you in the room that you want to have a child and you've tried to do that. And, and maybe God hasn't opened up that door for you. Or that hasn't come about yet. And I'm not saying that if you don't do that, you're outside of God's design 
or that if God's called you to be single or you're in a season of singleness, that you're not in God's design, or even for those of you that are married and maybe you don't feel like, hey, kids are a part of your family. None of that is to say, hey, you're missing that or, or you're outside of God's design. What it is, is it's saying that, hey, sex is a part of the way that God chose to procreate or to feel and to help us to multiply the earth. It's how God chose to do that. And so that's part of what happens in God's purpose and God's design. In, um, in our sexual relationships there. Another thing that sex does is, and I want you to hear this, it brings delight, joy, and pleasure. And maybe you've never heard that in church before, so let me say that again. It brings joy, delight, and pleasure. This is a gift from God. This is a gift from God. And I think in so many ways the enemy has stolen this, but this is a gift from God. This is something God gave us, that he planned for this, he designed this before the fall ever happened. And sometimes there's so much, we think about this as, well, there's shame around that, or we don't really talk about that, or we don't discuss that with other people, or anywhere kind of outside of the church, we're okay talking about that. But sometimes within the context of, um, of our relationship with God, we think, no, that's outside of that, but it's not. This was a gift from God. And God is so passionate about this, he takes an entire book to talk about this. Now, maybe you've never sat down and read the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, as it's called, but this is a book where God, in detail, talks about the romantic and the physical relationship of a man and a woman together. And he's very clear in this. In Song of Songs, chapter 7, verse 6, you can write that down and look at that or turn there. It says this, how beautiful and pleasant you are, Oh, loved one, with all of your delights. Now, I'll just let you guess what delights mean there, okay? But God is very clear in this book through different language that is poetic, through different wording um, that was clear in the culture of that time. He is talking about the relationship between a man and a woman, and he talks about it with joy. He talks about the pleasure that they give to one another, that this is actually a gift from God. And once again, the enemy has taken this so many times and twisted it, and distorted it, and misused it, and brought shame around it. But as God designed this, this was a gift from him that he has given to us in our lives. It was interesting, the other day, um, Sarah and I, we were binge-watching a show. It's a short mini-series, just, I think, about six episodes. And it's on what happened in Waco um, in the, I think it was the early 90s or kind of mid-90s, what took place in Waco. And there was, in case you don't know, there was a cult leader that rose up and there was a conflict between um, different departments of the United States with that cult leader. And one of the FBI agents in the middle of that miniseries said something that just kind of stuck out to me all along. And he said, I find it weird that every time an end of the day's prophet rises up or someone claiming to be a Messiah, it always, the new revelation that God gives them always has to do with having sex with multiple women, having multiple wives, taking advantage even of younger girls. Why is that the revelation? And it's in the middle of this movie that has nothing to do with God, but that just stood out to me. The enemy continues to twist and to turn and to distort God's design for our sexuality. And he's doing it in so many different ways. And he wants to confuse and he wants to, to once again bring shame into the gift that God gave us that was for our delight, that was for joy, that was for pleasure. The enemy is lying to us when he tells us that this has nothing to do with our relationship with God. It does. God has given this to us. 
And so God gave us the gift of sex to bring, once again, physical intimacy within the confines of marriage and what that looks like. He gave it um, for those of us that are able as, as a form of procreation to multiply, to fill the earth. He gave it to us for our delight, for our pleasure, for our joy is what the scripture says. Now, how did he design us for that? And so the next question that we're looking at is this, does the Bible limit sex to just one man and woman in the confines of marriage? Is that the picture that we get? And the answer to that is yes. And I want us to look at scripture that talks about this. If you have your Bibles, Leviticus chapter 18, and I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase this because this is over this whole chapter, but you can go back later and read it. The people of God have just come out of slavery. And when you're in a slavery mindset, it's just about survival. You're not thinking about commitment. You're not thinking about faithfulness. You're not thinking about building a family. You're just thinking about living day-to-day surviving. And so God, as he brings them out of slavery and as he brings them into this new life, he said, I want to change your mindset about the way that you've been living. I want to clarify how you live in right relationship with me and how you live in right relationship with others. And so Leviticus 18, God devotes a whole chapter to our sexuality. And he, give th- he gives things to us that may seem obvious, but at that time it was going on in the nations around them. It was going on in the culture that they came out of. And so he had to say things like, do not have sex with your mom, or if you're a girl, don't have sex with your dad. That's not okay. With your siblings, that's not okay. Even things that we may think sound so weird, don't have sex with animals. God said that's not okay, but it was going on in the culture and in the time that were around them. God is very clear in this chapter that sex is meant to be had between a man and a woman inside of a covenant relationship. And so he does address like same-sex relationships. And he said, this is outside of the design and the plan that I have for your life and what I've ordained for you. So God is very clear. He has a plan for our sexuality. He has a plan for our lives as it relates to sex. In Romans chapter one, verse 26, this is isn't just an Old Testament concept. This is something that the Bible addresses in different parts of the Bible. In Romans chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, that because of their desires that were dishonorable, God gave them over to their passions, where women exchanged natural relationships for those that were contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relationships with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men. We read this verse last week, but 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Those who um, practice deceit, those who are sexually immoral, those who are idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedies, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So Paul is saying that's the way that you used to live. And out of that list right there, that short list, three of them have to do with our sexuality, adulterers, sexual immoral, those who practice homosexuality. God says, that's out of the design, and that's what I'm calling you out of to be a part of my kingdom, that you're coming out of that lifestyle, and now you're living according to God's plan and God's purpose. Now, as I read through all of this, there are a lot of articles and a lot of people saying, well, that was a different culture, and it was a different time, and, and maybe we don't understand the words that are being used. Like maybe open marriages and maybe looking at pornography. The Bible doesn't really talk about that, about looking at someone naked. And and so maybe that's okay. Or maybe even same-sex relationships, like maybe those are okay. Maybe those are different words. And one of the most renowned Hebrew scholars in the world today came out and he said, I just want to be clear. 
there has been no new revelation on this text. He said there's no new understanding of different words from even documents outside of the Christian faith, outside of scripture that show us, oh, these words don't really mean what we think they mean. He said, no, it's very clear. And this is one, I mean, he's got PhDs from the Hebrew language, studied ancient Hebrew documents from scripture and outside of scripture. And he is saying, there is no new revelation on this. So if you're hearing someone say, well, that word doesn't quite mean that, or maybe it was something different back then and we've just interpreted it like that, that's just not true. The Bible is very clear when God is laying this out, his design for our sexuality, his design for our our plan. And other people may say, well, the Bible doesn't really talk a lot about this. I mean, you're talking 66 books written over thousands of years, and maybe there are a handful of scriptures about adultery or sexual immorality or homosexuality or these things. So maybe God wasn't saying a lot about it or pornography or open marriages, like all of these things, because it's not really that big of a deal for God. And that's just not the case. We see in scripture, God is very clear as it comes to our sexuality and to our design, that both men and women, we're not called to look at other people naked outside of the marriage relationship that God has given us that we're not called to be physically intimate with people outside of the marriage relationship between a man and a woman that God has given us. And the illustration that um, Dr. Michael Brown uses, which I thought was so good, he said, I picked up a cookbook, said, I'm trying to eat more healthy. And this cookbook said that it doesn't have any recipes with sugar in it. So no recipes with sugar because I'm trying to cut back on sugar. He said, I go to the first chapter and the author mentions sugar a few times. He talks about the negative effects and how how it chemically impacts our bodies and all of those things. And then he said, as you flip through after the first chapter, you don't see the word sugar in there anymore. He said, it would be wrong to think, well, the author is okay with us using sugar then, right? He's like, no, that's not the premise of the book. He said, the premise is, he's very clear at the beginning, this is how it's supposed to operate. And then the lack of the word doesn't mean the author doesn't care about it. Its absence actually speaks to the effect that he's very passionate about it. And it's the same way as it comes to our sexuality. We can't say, well, God only talked about this a handful of times. He's not really concerned. Actually, the absence of some of the language is because God's saying, I never designed that. And I never even thought about that. And that did not enter my mind that that people would do that. And so it's absence in different places doesn't mean God's okay with it. He's saying, no, that's not a part of my plan. And that's not what I've designed for you. And that's not what I've called you to. And so we see this, that that God does have a very specific plan. And I know many times, and I I wanna say this very carefully because I I understand feelings that people have and and struggles that people go through and all of these different things. And, And I think it's dangerous in our culture when we surround and we try to cover everything with love. And that's a word that we hear. Well, isn't it okay if I love this person? And I just want you to hear this, that I believe as we walk through scripture and as we look at the character of God, that there are moments when love is not love, you guys that for me to go find someone else and become physically intimate with them is not loving to my wife. It's not loving to my children. It's not loving to God and the commitment that I've made to them. It's not loving to that other person because I'm not committed to that individual. I'm not there for them. It's violating the covenant that I have made. And there's a lot of things that we do surrounding the context of love. And I, I just want you to hear this, that if we are committing sexual acts, if we were being physically intimate 
outside of God's design, it's not love. Anything the Bible says that misses that mark is sin and it's destruction and death. And can I bring destruction and death and sin into your life and say, hey, this is loving? You can't. It hurts another person is what the Bible says. And so that's why God is very clear about this. There's a design. And so however you want to call it, however you want to wrap it, whatever you want to put it in, sex outside of God's plan and outside of his calling, it's not love. But it actually brings pain. It actually brings destruction. It brings a spiritual death. And so God's word is very clear about this. He does have a plan for our sexuality. That plan is between a man and a woman that are committed in a marriage relationship. And so I want you to hear this, just ending with this thought. How does Jesus respond to our sexual sin? When we have sex outside of God's design, how does Jesus respond to that? Well, we're given a very clear picture of that. And in case you maybe have missed parts of this, I want you to hear this. This is for all of us. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, this is a struggle that all of us can have. And I'm just going to be honest, as a pastor um, and as someone that's followed Jesus for 25 years, someone that's been happily married now for over 20 years, I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my heart. I have guys that I'm accountable to, that I text, that I call, because I don't want any opportunity. And so this isn't just something for people that, that are younger. So, oh, this is maybe for teenagers or people. No, this is something for all of us that we all have to continue to say, God, I want to submit this. And, and there may be times, yeah, where you fail. There may be times where we fail in this idea of allowing lust into our heart, of, of become emotionally attached to other people outside of that marriage relationship in a way that's not unhealthy. And so we need to know how does God respond to this? And we're told this story of this in John chapter eight, and I'll paraphrase, and then I'll read the last verse in this story. And it's this right here. There were these religious people that wanted to trip up Jesus. And they wanted to mess Jesus up. And so this is what they said is, they brought a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Honestly, she was probably paid for um, to be a sexual worker. So she was a prostitute and, and, um, in the sex industry. And she was taken while committing that act and brought before Jesus. The ironic thing is the guy is not brought. A lot of questions around that right there. And so they bring a woman and they try to trap Jesus. And so they said, hey, the law tells us that, that maybe we should stone this woman, that her life is required because she's disobeyed God's design. And Jesus, kneeling down, begins to ride in the sand. We're not told what he's writing, but he looks up and he says this, okay, let the person here who is without sin go ahead and throw the first stone. And then he bends back down and he begins to ride in the sand. I don't know. We have no idea. I'm imagining Jesus is writing the sins of some of those religious people standing there. And all of a sudden, they still start to realize, oh, yeah, I should be down there. I've blown it, and I've messed up. And there's maybe been thoughts or things in my heart that would not be in line with God's design. And so slowly, one by one, they drop the stones that they're holding in their hand, and they begin to walk away. The Bible says some of the older guys do it first and then the younger guys follow suit. And Jesus looks up at this woman who's probably crying because she was thinking my life is about to be over. And Jesus says, where are those that condemn you? Where are your judges at? 
Where's everyone who was standing here? Does no one condemn you? And she says, no, my Lord, no one. And he said, yeah, I don't condemn you either. I'm not judging you. But then listen to this, go and sin no more. And I think so many times we want the story to end before that last line. And sometimes we think that, well, God's just okay with our sexual sin, right? We're sexual beings and sometimes we mess up and God's okay with it. But that's not where he stops the story. He offers forgiveness. And I want you to hear me. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't condemn you. He's not there to judge you. But what he is saying is he's inviting you into a better way. He's saying God does have a design. God does have a plan. And so I don't condemn you. I offer forgiveness. But let me tell you this, go and sin no more. Don't allow that thing to hold you in its grip any longer. Don't be bound by the chains of sin any longer. I'm offering you freedom in this moment. Whatever that sin has been in your life, Jesus is not standing there waiting to condemn you to hell. He's offering forgiveness, but he's also saying, you don't have to be a victim of it any longer. You don't have to, that thing doesn't have to control you or you don't have to be a slave to that addiction anymore. God is offering freedom in your life. Jesus says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. It's the beauty of the gospel is God finds us right where we're at. And yet he invites us to reflect him, to live according to his plan and his design, because I believe this, it's the best way to live. It's not the easiest way, but it is the best way to live our lives. And you may be in this room, you may be watching online, you may hear this. And I just wanna say that you may have real struggles in your life. You may have real feelings Maybe you've blown it in the past and you're afraid because you don't want other people to know that. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with right now. It feels like sin has a hold of your life. And I'm here to remind you this morning, Jesus offers his forgiveness and he invites you into that relationship. And the challenge or or the call of God is not just to keep doing what you're doing, but to live a life that honors him. That we, either in our singleness or in our married life, we would put on display the glory of God, even as it relates to our sexuality, because God has a design for us and he has a plan for us. And so I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm gonna ask if you would take a moment, maybe close your eyes and and bow your head. And you may be here and saying, Aaron, I'm outside of that relationship with God. Maybe you're watching online and you're hearing this and you felt like that. You felt like God's here to condemn me. God's here to judge me. Like God's happy when I mess up because he just wants to send me to hell. And that's not the picture that we get in the Bible. This is a God who offers forgiveness, but who also offers freedom. That we don't have to live that way anymore. He invites us into his story, his plan of redemption. And so if you're here and you're outside of a relationship with God, you're watching online, you're outside of a relationship with God, I wanna pray for you. And I'm gonna say these words. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me, whether you're praying it for the first time, whether you're recommitting, or whether you all already follow Jesus. Let's all say this together. And also those of you that are online, Jesus, I come to you. And I know that I've messed up. And I'm in need of your forgiveness. So I ask you, forgive me. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. 
break the power of sin over me and give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate for those that may have prayed that for the first time? We believe that, that, that God is doing that, that he does something new inside of us, that he offers his forgiveness to us. And so I wanna encourage you in that. And we're gonna take a moment here in just a second. We're gonna talk through a couple of questions, but I just wanna encourage you with this once again. Um, we want to, how we respond to a message like this is we wanna pray that as followers of Christ, that we would speak this with both grace and truth. Grace and truth. I talked about this last week is we wanna be people who are listening, who are open, who are honest, but we can dialogue with people even if they don't agree or see this the same way, but God would help us to speak this with grace and truth. And so we wanna pray that that God would do that. I wanna encourage all of you in this room, or if you're listening online, if you are living outside of God's design for your sexuality, that you would receive God's forgiveness that you would submit your life to Christ and begin to live according to his plan. That's the challenge that we have. And can I say this? So many times God has forgiven us, we need to forgive ourselves. And I know that there are so many people that you're walking under guilt and shame of that sexual sin and you've already submitted it to God, but the enemy comes back and he keeps beating you up over it and you may need to forgive yourself. You may need to receive that gift that God has given you. Because like he said, hey, I've offered forgiveness. I'm not here to condemn you. But that challenge to begin to live differently, live according to his plan. And so walk in that forgiveness. Walk in what God says. We wanna walk in repentance and we wanna be a picture of the love of God to the world around us. And so that's how we want to respond to this. And we wanna be able to have open and honest dialogues and conversations about this. I want you to know that our leaders are here. Those of you that are in discipleship groups, we're here. We want to talk about this. There's not condemnation. And, and whatever that sexual sin may be, whether it's outside of marriage, whether it's an affair that you're having, whether it's pornography, if, if it's same sexual attractions and that kind of relationship, we want to be able to talk about this with one another and pray with each other and encourage each other to live according to God's design. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Pray with us this week that God would help us to speak with grace and truth to those that may be living outside of God's design. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.